Amen. Amen. If you have God's word, I want to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 10. We're going to begin there today. We're going to Luke chapter 10. And uh, in fact, we're going to another passage in uh, also in Luke chapter 16. So we're going to kind of jump around just a little bit and invite you just to bear with me as we kind of launch really a new series. We wrapped up uh, last week our, our series that we're in right after Christmas. And now uh, we're just kind of beginning a, a look at uh, stewardship. I mean, that's kind of that's going to be the focus now for the next few weeks. And so I just invite you just to, to hang in there, maybe bring somebody with you and and we'll just start some conversations, maybe in Sunday school or what have you. But we want to look at this idea. And, and I, I need to say I'm exceptionally challenged myself in regards to this, because it seems like every time I turn around, God is speaking and he's challenging me and stretching me. And I believe that God's going to challenge and stretch you as well. Um, I, I want to begin by saying I was blessed uh, by um, uh, Brownlee, by um, Susan Brownlee. How many, of course, most of us know Susan Brownlee. If you don't know her, you need to get to know her. But anyhow, Susan Brownlee invited me to go to a workshop, or really it was kind of like a conference, uh, at Point Loma Nazarene University, right? Shout out for Point Loma. And uh, and so she invited me to go to this workshop, and and the guy that was conducting the workshop, the guy that was in charge and were really you know listening to him lecture, uh, was a guy by the name of, of Bruce Whitick. And he wrote a book called The Shrewd Samaritan. In fact, I have the book in my office, and I meant to have it here so I could lift it up and show it to you. But the title of the book is called The Shrewd Samaritan. And what Bruce does, he does a remarkable job in comparing two parables that Jesus tells his disciples or shares with his disciples. And I want to uh, share those two parables with you this morning. Um, in, in fact, the first one is there in Luke chapter 10. And it's probably one of the best, most well-known little stories in the entire world, because you've heard the story. In fact, let's just jump in with both feet. Go to Luke chapter 10, and we're going to pick up at verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Picking up at verse 30 there. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So, too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. 
Now, there's no question in my mind uh, today that, that probably nobody, not none of us, will will complain about this passage or you know just dis- disrespect the word or the story. I mean, because this is just a loved story. In fact, uh, you could imagine Jesus doing what the Good Samaritan did, right? Or or maybe maybe Mother Teresa. I mean, this was the very type of thing that Mother Teresa would participate in. And so you know, there's just nothing that we could say that would be negative about this particular story. But then we go to Luke chapter 16. Follow me now. We go to Luke chapter 16 and we read a story about a shrewd manager. Now, the interesting thing I want to note here is that Jesus chooses to tell and share the story with his disciples, which I think is so strange because the story is so strange. In fact, as we look at it together, we're going to read it together. You'll you'll see it's kind of an odd story for Jesus to share with his disciples. But he has a point. So I want us to just kind of hang in there, but listen to the story as Jesus tells it. We go to, again, Luke chapter 16, now a different chapter, Luke chapter 16, beginning at verse 1. Jesus told his disciples there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot manage any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master has taken away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? Nine hundred gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it four hundred and fifty. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. And then look at verse 8. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Precious Father, I, I thank you for the word this morning. I, I thank you, Father, that the word never comes back void and that, Lord, that your voice is heard every time we read it. And so, Father, I just pray that you would speak. I pray that even as you, Lord, send us the message that we're to go and that, that we're to share and we're to be, you know, what it is that you call us, that, Lord, that you'll be lifted and glorified in even this reading this morning. And so, Lord, I pray that your blessing would be upon this word as we compare and think about these two stories that Jesus shares with his disciples And so we thank you, Father, for that. We ask all these things in Jesus Christ's glorious name. Amen. Amen. Now, let's take some time this morning to kind of unpack this a little bit. In fact, if we were, you know, to make it a popularity contest, there's no question in our mind that uh, the Good Samaritan, right, you know, versus the, the shrewd manager, that the Good Samaritan would win the popularity contest. I mean, why is that? Well, obviously, the manager was dishonest. I mean, he was poor character. He was lazy, deceitful. I mean, the fact is, if we are honest and we read that 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 story that he shares about the manager is that he was just flat out a bad employee. But yet the interesting thing, look at this. The interesting thing is that the master commends him for his shrewdness. 
Now, now how, how, you know, what is the application? I mean, what is it that he's trying to, you know, get into the hearts or the minds of the disciples? I mean, because obviously there was something that Jesus wanted his disciples to learn. There was something that the manager understood that, that the disciples were just not getting yet. And when you look at it, it's not a lightning bolt of truth, but it's really pretty simplistic. And that is this, what the, the, the shrewd manager understood is that money, get this, that money is temporal. But people and relationships are not. So, so what's the concept? I mean, here's the concept that we are the stewards of the temporary wealth that God has given us. Which means that we are intermediating our money and resources to shrewdly help people on behalf of and because and for the glory of the kingdom of God. Now, note, Jesus uses the second parable to gently chastise his disciples as children of light to be shrewd stewards while living in the world. I mean, that's the concept. And in fact, Jesus' disciples are not alone in their naivete, you know, not understanding how we miss really making an immeasurable impact on the world by our shrewd thinking and our our thought process. In fact, Bruce, the author of the book that I mentioned, makes the remarkable case that we should be wise as a serpent, right? You know, gentle as a dove, you heard that, while understanding what avenues most effectively apply when the money that we give is given to those ministries that we see as valid, important ministries. In fact, I was blown away as Bruce began to share with us. In fact, there was a, a chart that he put on the screen, and it was a chart about 15 different ministries. And, and none of the ministries were bad ministries. None of them were wrong or, you know, mishandling money. I mean, they were just 15 different ministries. And it was interesting because the first screen just had the 15 ministries. And you go, yeah, great ministries. In regards to ministering to people in the margins and, you know, those third world scenarios or situations. And, and, uh, and then he uh, put up another screen, the same chart, but he had only about five of the ministries highlighted in green. And then all the rest were highlighted in red. And he said the ones that are highlighted in red are not as effective as far as the bang for your buck, right? They're not as effective as those that are highlighted in green, those five that are highlighted in green. Let let me try to explain myself. For example, one of the things that was highlighted in red that was not the best way to spend your money, you know, dollar for dollar, was uh, shoes. In fact, uh, our church in Florida, I pastored there, and every once in a while we'd have a shoe drive because we had started a church in Haiti, and we had a, a school in Haiti, and we're involved in that, and we'd have this shoe drive. In fact, we... We had a goal of, you know, collecting a thousand shoes. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's a valid ministry. But the thing is, he's talking about the far reaching, lasting impact of your dollar. And, and he shared how the fact is he takes shoes down and then what happens? The kids grow out of their shoes. As compared to other ministries, like, for example, a, a family counselor, there are there are missionaries that that are literally involved in providing, you know, family coaching. And and then they, you know, begin to affect the trajectory of the family, making the right decisions and, and good decisions. And that has shown statistically to prove that that affects not only that family, but the next generation and the next generation. And so the money is being spent more wisely. And so there are these ministries and it was really an eye opener that are more effective in regards to the money that we give. Now, let me bring it back home because this series is about the shrewd steward. So we have to come back to the concept that money is temporary and people and relationships have eternal value. Because most often when people begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, get this, when they begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's usually within relationships. 
It's within relationship, having relationship. I'll never forget um, a young lady by the name of Stacy Bidwell, and Heidi remembers her. And Stacy Bidwell was a waitress at a Waffle House. How many know what a Waffle House is, okay? Uh, back east, it's a greasy spoon. I get it. But, man, the food is hot. You can see them cook it in front of you so that you know they're not messing with your food, right? And uh, and I, I remember going to Waffle House for the very first time when we pastored in Tennessee. And I met Stacy Bidwell, and first time I met her, her eyes were red and she had been crying because she just went through a divorce and and so her heart was breaking I, I learned through time that she had a little boy that she adored and and then I'd go back in I went back in the next week and still her eyes were red and then I went back a week later and then her eyes were still red I mean she was just caught in this this kind of tornado of emotion and and depression and there was something that was missing I'll never forget the, the day that Stacy agreed to come to our church. We had a friend day and I invited her to come visit our church. And she came and I shared a message about Jesus. And, I'll, and she came to the altar and Stacy gave her heart to Jesus Christ. And she began to walk with Christ in that relationship. This journey began to take off. And, oh, it was fun because I'd go back to Waffle House. And now Stacy, excited about Jesus, shared her relationship with Jesus with Michelle Michelle was another mother that had two kids in grade school and and she was invited to church and Michelle accepted Christ and began to walk with Christ. And then there was another waitress that they began to share their faith with. In fact, that waitress asked me to marry her and her fiance. And so I did the wedding ceremony for the church at the Waffle House. And so all of a sudden, these waitresses began to give their heart to Jesus. Folks, revival broke out at Waffle House. One of the waitresses was transferred to another Waffle House, a couple exits down the freeway. And pretty soon, some of those gals began to come to church and accept Jesus as their personal Savior. You see, what happens is relationship with Jesus begins usually within relationship. And you see, if time is one of our resources, then maybe the question we should be asking is, is how do we spend our time? I mean, as a steward for the glory of God, I mean, do we spend our time with only people who act and look and think like, you know, me instead of investing in people who do not look or think or maybe, you know, act like I do? I think one catchy way to say this is, are you a part of any people group that does not look or think like you? Because Jesus was. (laughs) And so there's this stewardship, you know, question that we have. And, and, and I, I, I praise the Lord that I, I'm still seeing God work in miraculous ways in relationship. I, uh, I, I've met a, a, a guy by the name of Ralph. And I'm not sure where, um, where he is as far as faith goes, but uh, he's from Syria, I believe. And, and uh, maybe he's Muslim. I, I don't know what his religious background is. But one thing is for certain, when I met uh, Ralph for the very first time, my wife and I had started, you know, buying some food from his restaurant and we met him. But one thing for sure, there was a wall between Ralph and I. And he viewed me as obviously different and probably different faith, but there was this tremendous wall that was there that I could not penetrate and he wouldn't even look at me. And I don't think it was because he was shy, maybe disdain. But there's this wall between Ralph and I and, and, and through the months I began to wonder, well, Lord, how can I, how can I introduce him to you, Jesus? Well, an idea came up and we began to work on this, this concept of building a, uh, a welcome pack for people moving into the Granville area. And so there's a, a committee in our church here that's kind of welcoming on building this pack that we're going to send to people that are moving fresh to, to Grantville or to Mission Valley to welcome them to the area and invite them to church. 
And so I went to the, to Ralph and I said, you know, you know, we're gonna, we're doing this and I'm thinking maybe you might want to have a coupon. And so I began this conversation with him and as soon as I began to talk about, about business, the wall began to come down. And the relationship began to be built. And, and, and in fact, uh, I was there at the restaurant just a, a little bit ago. And man, he was excited when I walked in the door. In fact, about a week later, I pulled into one of our strip malls over here and he pulled up beside me. And his window came down. I got out of the truck and I went over there and we began to chit chat. And, and all of a sudden I realized that a friendship was beginning to be developed. And folks, I believe in my heart of hearts that it's in that context that God is planting a seed in that man's heart. And I don't know what God's going to do through that, but I know this, that you see, that is part of our responsibility as stewards is those relationships that we have with others. In fact, being shrewd in our time and energies, if it is, it results in even one relationship that leads someone into relationship with Jesus, it can have an immeasurable an immeasurable impact. Again, here's the idea. Let me come back to it. Here's the idea. That money, right? Money is temporary while people and relationships are not. So the shrewd steward understands this. And I, I, I doubt this is a groundbreaking thought. But did you know that faith and economics work together? Have you ever thought of that faith in economics? In fact, we come back to the passage. Go to the second passage there in Luke chapter 16. And there's two Greek words that we can pull out of that passage. One is mammonas, which means worldly wealth or mammon. You've heard that that word before, mammon, which means worldly wealth. And the second one is oikonomen, which means manager, the manager of wealth. So we have the economics or the manager of worldly wealth, which means it's all of resources and it's all of our time and energy. And it's all part of that basket of worldly wealth. Now, this is not my idea, but here's what somebody else asked. This is the question. Or the statement, you want to see what people love, notice where they spend their time. If you want to see what their priorities are, then look at the checkbook. I mean, look at their bank accounts. And, and, and yet I know for me, you know, the New Testament shows us a Jesus that was always trying to help those in trouble. I mean, if you want to emulate Christ, and I want to do that, I want to be like Christ and live like Christ. And, and he was about lifting up the poor and rescuing people that were handicapped and ministering to those in the margins while all the time making a proclamation of truth and love. So for me, if you say, well, pastor, what is faith? Faith, what is faith? I would say that faith is faith in action. What is faith? Faith is faith in action. And this means that I'm loving and I'm serving and, and I'm investing and I'm giving, of course, my money. So the should steward means that we are not only using our hearts because that's the emotional part that we're emotionally. Yeah, that, that ministry is important. But it means that we're also smart and we're using our heads and we're being wise. And this usually leads us, as we read scripture, it leads us, you know, towards generosity. And we talk about stewardship, generosity, which is a, a new path. And new paths usually lead us to new beginnings. And so as we learn to be generous, there are these new beginnings that begin to unfold. In fact, just begin to take root and flourish in our life. I love the story of, of Justin and his family, his wife. Uh, they had been struggling financially. And, and in fact, he, he shares the story how uh, the way that they gave, they believed in tithing. I mean, the principle of giving to the Lord. But the way that they tithe was that they usually give at the end of the month. 
they'd give their 10% at the end of the month. And he, he said probably only about six months out of 12 were we able to do it because by the end of the month, you know, we're thinking, I mean, we're scrambling, trying to, you know, pay all our bills and it's just not working until they went to a financial peace workshop. And, of course, you know where that comes from, Dave Ramsey. And he went to a financial peace workshop, and, and all of a sudden, through Scripture, the Lord laid on his heart the idea of first fruits, the idea of giving at the beginning of the month. And, and all of a sudden, there was a spiritual growth, and there was this depth in their marriage, and all of a sudden, there was this blessing that began to surround their family because the Lord had spoke to them about finances and the concept of what it means to be generous in the spirit of generosity. I think too often we're like the little girl who, who got $2 from her daddy. Her dad had given her $2 bills. And, and he says, now, honey, trying to you know teach her about stewardship. He said, now, honey, this dollar, one of these dollars is for you. You can spend it on anything that you want. But the second dollar, you, you have to give that to the Lord. And so excited, she runs out the door. There's a convenience store down the, the street there. And shows she's hopping and skipping to the convenience store. Well, she trips and falls. And accidentally loses one of her dollar bills and it falls down into the drain storm there. And she gets herself up looking at one dollar, looking at the drain storm. She says, well, God, there goes your dollar. (laughs) And I, I think we try to, you know, sometimes live just like that. So, Lord, we, you know, yeah, it belongs to you. But then we wait to the very end and say, well, Lord, you know, hey, this happened and this happened. And then all of a sudden this has happened. And we find ourselves now off a track, off, off track and not doing what it is that God has called us to do. In fact, we go to Malachi and what does God say about it? He says, he says, test me in this. Test me in this concept of first fruits and, and bring to me, I've blessed you with all of it. Bring to me that 10%, bring to me that portion and I will bless you and I will bless you so much that you will not have enough room to store the blessing because the gates of heaven will be blown open and he'll pour blessing down upon you. As we think about having an immeasurable impact, an immeasurable impact for God's glory, you can do that when you're obedient to him in this really important area of stewardship today. I want to invite you just to hear his voice. Not just the pastor's voice, but what what is Jesus saying to you? How's God speaking to you about giving and serving your stewardship? I love the fact these two gals up here are playing their instruments. Well, they were there were two of them up there that they're using their talent and their gifts, the many 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 years of practice to serve the Lord. Let's serve the Lord, Amen. Let's be good stewards. In fact, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have a, a ministry fair, right? You say, what's a ministry fair? We'll wait and find out. It's going to be awesome. In a couple of weeks, we're going to have a ministry fair at the church to discover how you can serve and how you can minister for God in his glory. And he, he will bless that. I believe that. What is, what is faith? Faith is in action. And I don't know how the Lord is moving you or challenging you right now. And, and maybe he's just kind of nudging you a little bit. And you're thinking, yeah, I need to take action here. <laughs> I had somebody come up to me after the first service and they confessed something. They said, you know, today's the last day. It's taking action. And whatever the Lord is stirring in your heart in this particular area, stewardship. It might be one thing or another, but let's take action. Amen. God will bless you. He promises that he will. As we say, Lord, I'm going to be obedient. I'm hearing your voice. I need to have faith. 
And I need to take action in this area. Let's begin some conversations about it. Maybe in Sunday school. Maybe just with friends here at church. Begin talking about what's it mean. What's stewardship look like? And I believe God will bless us. Precious Father in heaven, I thank you, God, for Lord just stirring our hearts today. Thank you for the challenge that you've given us, that Jesus really gives us. Lord, in these two contrasting parables, these, these two ideas of what it means to be, yes, be heartfelt, but yet also to be smart and shrewd, Lord, as we give and participate in what you're doing in your kingdom. And I pray, Lord, that you'll be glorified in it. And so, Lord, thank you for what you're beginning this morning in our church. We love you, Jesus. We want to honor you. We pray all these things in Jesus Christ's glorious name. Amen.